0: living church good morning today is week five of our series suit up we're about to talk about the shield of faith and how we need to take that thing up so we can have victory in life right now i'm in california at a pastor's conference and man all this week god has been speaking some great things to me and i can't wait to get home to you to share about what god's been doing in us and been doing in my life but today man we have a special guest, my friend, a man that I love and respect, is going to be talking to you about that shield that we need to pick up. So ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for my friend and yours, Tim Horton. Come on. Good morning, Living Church. And thank you, Projector Trustin, for your kind words. Uh, Guys, uh, I just wanted to take a moment to thank uh, Pastor Trustin and Rachel. They've meant so much to Bethany and me. Throughout our lives, you know, if, if you've gone to Living Church for a while, I think you can forget just how awesome what's happening here is, how uh, unprecedented it is. And so I recommend that, you know, folks every now and then go on a, what I call a church appreciation church, just go anywhere else on a Sunday. And you'll so appreciate that everyone here is smiling and that everyone here is happy to see you and that people are here to pray for you. So we are so thankful for Pastor Trustin and Rachel and just want to give them a hand. Can we give them a hand today? Awesome. Well, how many of you guys have been enjoying this suit up series we've been in? Has it helped anybody? Yeah, it's been so good. You know, we've, we're in week five now, so we've been talking about this. We started off talking about how you need to deal with the invisible root because you're always trying to deal with the, the fruit, and that's not the problem. It's the, the root and what's going on there. And then we moved on and we started talking about the pieces of armor. We started talking about the belt of truth and how it girds everything together and how truth is simply what God says about a subject. It's not how we feel. It's not what we believe. It's what God says is true. And then we moved on and we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and how righteousness can get heavy and that, you know, you need truth to kind of hold it up that it's not on you, that it's the righteousness that God places on you. And then last week was so good. We talked about the shoes of peace and how no matter the storm that's going on inside you, that God can calm it because God wants you to have peace in your life. And so we're moving on today with the armor. And so I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, the truth is that there's a battle going on around us all the time, and it's a battle that we can't necessarily see, and the stakes couldn't be higher in this battle, your future is at stake. Your family is at stake. And the other reality is that there's, if there's a God for us, then there's an enemy against us. And the Bible says that he's an enemy who is hell-bent, see what I did there, on your destruction. That he, he's thinking about it all the time, that they're meeting and they're trying to advise ways to take you out. In fact, the Bible warns us in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, be clear-minded and alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You want to know, the Bible says that we have an enemy who's roaring. You want to know why he's roaring so loud? He roars because he wants to take your attention away from the leash around his neck. See, because what the Bible doesn't want you to know is that the battle is already won. In fact, if you skip to the end, somewhere like Revelation towards sort of the later chapters, you're going to find out that God actually wins the battle, that it's over, that there's no hope for the enemy. But he doesn't want you to know that. See, the enemy is going to do everything that he can to try to stop you. Because he can't keep you from winning, so instead he's going to try to keep you from walking in victory. And he's going to attack you through a couple of different ways. One of the ways that the enemy tries to attack us is that he tries to disarm you. He wants to see you take off some of these pieces of armor. He wants to get in at the weaknesses and start feeding you lies about who you are. If he can do that, if he can start to get you to doubt the truth of God, then he can start to get you to believe that maybe I'm not who God says I am. Maybe I'm not forgiven. Maybe I'm not free. Maybe I'm going to be dealing with this sin forever. If he can get you to put off righteousness, then he can get you to stop walking in a way that's pleasing to God. If he can take away your peace, then he can keep you unfocused on the battle around you. In fact, that's the second thing he does. He wants to distract you. He wants to make you comfortable with where you're at. Because if you're comfortable with where you're at, you're not going anywhere. You're happy with where you're at, and that's where a lot of us as Christians live, is you know show up to church, give 10%. Show up to church, give 10%, do the Bible reading plan, show up to church. And, and he gets you comfortable with where you're at. And see, faith was never meant to stay in one place. Faith is meant to move you forward. Faith is a journey because it's like the asterisk right planted on outside our building that there's always more that God has for you. And faith is the journey to more. And the enemy wants to keep you off of that journey. So today we're talking about how we can fight against it, how we can take up faith. In Ephesians 6.16, he says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, we've been talking about the other pieces of armor, and it used a verb. It said, put them on. The idea was that you've always got your breastplate on. You've always got your belt on. You've always got your shoes on. Any Roman soldier would be walking around town. He'd always have these pieces on everywhere he went. The idea was that he was always operating in righteousness. He always had truth fitted around him. He always had peace. But then the verb changes. Paul uses another verb. He says, take up. The idea with that is that there's something here that you have to consciously take with you. Because if the idea is that if you If you don't take something with you, then you're leaving it behind. And some of you are walking in here today filled with pinholes because you've been getting hit by arrow after arrow because you haven't been taking faith with you. You've been leaving it behind at home or leaving it behind here at LC, and you haven't been taking it with you. The idea is that you have to consciously remember, like, I got my keys, I got my wallet, I got my phone, I got my faith. I'm taking it up with me as I go out on this journey. This is the only piece of armor that actually tells you exactly what it's getting used for. It tells you exactly how the enemy is going to come at you. And it says he's going to do that with arrows. Now, the arrows they used back then weren't quite as efficient and neon as these. Um, but these are scary. I don't know if you can see that, but like I've hidden this from my son Jude all week because I've been terrified of it. I, I was scared to get it out of the car today because this thing could kill you. And the Bible says that these are being shot at us all the time. As, as if this wasn't bad enough, there was another kind of arrow they used in military warfare. They used what the Bible talks about, flaming arrows. So as if this thing isn't scary enough, then they take it and they dip it in pitch and they light it on fire. So now you have a fiery missile coming at you. And you see, if you've watched any Westerns, I like Westerns, and... There's, there's a couple of ideas, because there's always the Indians, and they always attack, and they're always shooting the arrows at everybody, and everybody's going, ah, and there's crazy, and there's a moment of panic, and then the settlers get their wits about them, and they take all the wagons, and they circle them up, right, and, and they put some defenses up, and then the cowboys are behind the wagons, and they're shooting, and they're like, yeah, what now? But then there's always that one sneaky Indian who, like, builds a fire real fast, runs his arrow over to it, and he starts shooting, not at the cowboys, because flaming arrows aren't for the actual warrior, they're for the wagons. And he starts shooting and, and setting the wagons on fire. He starts creating a distraction. Why? Because if you're distracted about what's going on around you, your eyes aren't on the battle that's happening in front of you. And you see the flaming arrows that the enemy's going to shoot at you, you, you see them all the time. Your hot water heater that just broke, that's a flaming arrow. Your fight with your wife on the way here, it's a flaming arrow. And they're the distractions that the enemy puts at us and sends at us to keep our eyes off of the battle. The enemy's going to try to shoot arrows. You may be here today and you're like, you know what, I I checked the forecast. There's a 100% chance that no one's going to be shooting arrows at me this week. And the fact is, yeah, arrows are coming at you all the time. You just don't know what to call them. These are kind of arrows. These are what they sound like. Good okay. night. All the time, arrows coming at us, and they're attacking our purpose, and they're attacking our calling, and they're attacking who God has made us to be. Arrows coming all the time. And so how do we defend against this? The Bible tells us. It says, take up the shield. Now, it's interesting um, that Paul, I wish he would have said, get in the castle of faith, and then you'll be able to just. against the schemes of the enemy, or get behind the wall of faith, and then the enemy won't be able to shoot at you. But he doesn't. He says, take up the shield. Why is that? Because the shield is portable, because your faith is portable. Your faith wasn't meant to wall up in the four walls of a church and try to wait until Jesus comes back. God always intended that you would take your faith because there's a battle out there, and the idea is that we need to take some ground ourselves. And so faith was made to be portable because God never intended for you to stay in one place. He meant for your faith to be moving you from here to there. God's always moving us from here to there. And so we take up the shield. Hebrews tells us in chapter 11 that faith is the confidence of what we hope for, that it'll actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You know, I can imagine that when a soldier took up a shield, there was like a new level of confidence there. Because suddenly it wasn't him out there in the open against whatever the enemy had in front of him. There was something between him and the enemy. And so you can walk with a little bit of a strut, you know, a little swag. Because you've got something between you and the enemy. There's a new level. You know, I think about when I was in sixth grade. Because believe it or not, I wasn't always this like devilishly handsome and charming. And so in sixth grade, I was in a lot of fights. But unfortunately, I was on the, uh, the wrong end of the fight. Like not the glorious defeat my foes, and I was getting the tail kicked out of me. And it was not fun. Let's, let's be honest. And, and then what changed was I met my best friend. His name was Luke Strange, so he was no cooler than I was with a name like that. But, but he was a red belt in karate, And you see, red belt, I think, is better than black belt because red belt, like, signifies, like, danger. Like, they don't have the wisdom and temperance that comes from black belt. That's who you want in a fight beside you is the dude who has no common sense. And so I had Luke, and he was, like, six feet tall, and he was a red belt. And so how many of y'all know that I started walking in a confidence with a new level of confidence? Like, yeah, come at me now because he is between me and you. You see, that's what faith is. Faith is acting like it is, even though it isn't, so that it could be because God said it would be. See, sometimes faith is calling your shots. It's saying, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like giving this situation. I don't feel like God's going to come through, but I'm going to act like he is, even though he isn't, so that it could be because he said it would be, because God promised that it would be. You know, I'm looking at these shields, and I'm thinking about my faith, and I'm thinking, man, if I'm in a battle, size, size actually matters, guys. Like, I, I probably, you know, there are times when I go, go in a, a battle of faith, and I feel like this is all I got, you know? It's like, you know, trying to do this. Like, I mean, this is a toy, like from Jude. Um, you know, the, this isn't much better. Uh, you know, we're getting a little bit better here. This is, I mean, if you are a toddler... You're doing all right with this but you know it's a little bit better this is a little bit more like my style this is kind of what the roman warrior would have with them and it's even a little bit short because these were typically like more like four feet tall like three feet wide and and so you'd have something like this and that that gives you a new level of confidence because because size matters because the size of your faith right it it matters and how much faith you have is going to mean how many arrows you're taking and stuff and And the disciples felt that way, and Jesus actually deconstructed that in the Bible. Because that's kind of how they felt about it. And he said in Matthew chapter 17, he said, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so Jesus kind of deconstructs the idea that if if you feel like you don't have a lot of faith, it's all right, because it's not about the size of your faith, it's about the source of your faith. That it's not about how much faith you have, it's who you put your faith in that matters. That's the thing that changes it. In fact, all of these shields have some form of like artist work on them. They have some sort of emblem, insignia. This is what the Romans put on there. You know, these wings were like the army, and these were like Zeus's thunderbolts and stuff. And there was a purpose to that because it's, it's not for them, it's for the enemy. Because when, when the enemy sees this marching up on it, he knows that it's not Tim that he's got to be afraid of. He knows that it is the might and the power of the Roman army that stands with this one. It's not this one guy. It's who he stands for. It's who he's got behind him that's coming with him. And so you don't need to be afraid about this one dude. You need to be afraid about the army that's coming with you. And you see, when you hold up your shield of faith, what the devil sees is it's not Tim. It's not Brandon. It's not Terry. It's the power of God that he's coming in. I'm not coming in the name of Tim. I'm coming in the name of God. And the devil is going to run from that every time. See, it's not about the size of your faith, it's about the source of your faith. So, we've talked about the shield of faith and why we need it. Let's talk about what it does. Number one faith pushes back, faith pushes back. The first goal in a battle was to stop the advance of the enemy. You know, there's always this scene where these armies are running at each other, and it's slow motion in epic music. And then there's this crash, right, as the armies crash against each other. And the idea was that one side was going to, like, plant their feet and hold their ground and hold the line. And they were going to push back on the enemy because you don't want to be going backwards. You want to be going forwards. And so there's this hold the line and push back on the lies of the enemy. You see the enemy's goal is to get you to break ranks and run. He doesn't want a strong line assembled against him. He wants to scare you, and he wants you to turn around the other day and go live to fight another day. He wants your focus fixed on what's against you, not what's beside you. See, your faith will always follow your focus. Whatever you're focused on is what you have the most faith in. So if you're always logging into your Wells Fargo account, or you're you know, always hitting refresh on Facebook to see how many likes you got on that post, you know, what you're focused on is what your faith is in. You know, it's interesting. Fear is still faith. It's just faith in the enemy. It's just more, putting more trust on what the enemy says will happen to you than what God says he's called you to. You see, the, uh, the reality is that it's not what's before you, it's not even what's behind you, because a lot of people just use their past as an excuse. It's about what's between you. I say it like this, fear is putting your circumstances between you and God. Faith is putting God between you and your circumstances. And you see, you can walk with a new level of confidence when it's not you against the enemy, but it's God in between you. And so fear don't put that between you and God. Put God between you and your fear. You know, the battle isn't meant to be fought alone. Um, a lot of times I think we, we get into this, you know, I, I can handle it. I can take care of it. It wasn't In fact, the Romans didn't design these things to be used alone. They designed them so that they would, like, fit with the other guys. Because if you've ever seen, like, the pictures, they're lined up, and there's this huge, like, it looks like a box sometimes. And there's, like, not even a way in. You can't even get an arrow in. And then if that wasn't enough, they even, like, can do this and, like, cover the top. And they've got a little roof, and they've, like, pitched tents there, and they're good, and they're going to stay there all day. Because the idea is that when your faith is wavering and when this shield is heavy and you can't quite hold it up because of the things that are happening to you, God always intended for someone to be there alongside you to say, it's all right. I'm going to make up, I'm going to pick up the slack for you. Because you can't carry it right now, I'm going to carry it for you. You know, there's times when you've just had arrow after arrow shot at you and you just can't quite take it. And that's when it's time for your friends to lay you up on your shield and they're going to carry you for a while. And, you know, this thing could be used as a stretcher too. You know, quite honestly here at LC, that's life groups. Is that faith isn't meant to be walked out alone. And I can think of so many times that Beth and I have had people come alongside us and strengthen us and say you may not have the faith to see the end and the other side but I've got faith in you and I'm here beside you and we're going to walk through this together. And we're going to go side by side and I'm not scared and I'm not running. I'm staying with you. So we don't just say it because we want to fill a role or, or hit a high number or something. Life groups is for you. So faith pushes back on the enemy. You know, number two, faith presses forward. Faith is always moving forward. See, I I said earlier that we kind of get stuck in this idea that we're comfortable, but the idea is that God is always moving you somewhere else. He's always taking you from here to there. He's always moving you forward, and so faith is always pressing forward. See, if, if the Romans just stood there all day, and they just held their ground, and they just kept combating wave after wave after enemy attack and just kept pushing it and pushing it back and they stayed in their little shield house and just kept pushing them back and pushing them back I mean they'd be doing all right but they wouldn't be winning they'd just be holding the line like if in football if your team only plays defense and never puts any points on the board I mean that's great they're gonna have zero against them but it's gonna be zero to zero at the end of the day you got to put some points on the board God's desire is never for you to stay where you are. He's always moving you somewhere. And here's the, the truth about it. The reason that we like to stay in one place is because it's comfortable. It's because it's comfortable. It's what we're used to. But you're never going to fulfill your calling in your comfort zone. Because if you're comfortable, it's not faith. Faith. If you're happy where you are and you don't need to ask God for anything, it's not faith. The whole idea of faith is I'm going to trust in things I cannot see. And I'm going to trust on something to happen that I don't know quite honestly if it can. God's calling for you is always going to be past your comfort zone. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says it like this. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. If God's placed the vision, if he's placed the destiny, if he's placed the calling on your life, he's placed it there because he's able to do it. The beauty of it is this, is that a lot of times we get in this uh, idea of, yeah, if if God shows up, then I'll have faith. If God delivers, if if God moves me through this, then yeah, my faith is going to be strengthened. See, the idea with faith, though, is that it's not hostage to an outcome. I don't have faith if God does. I have faith even if he doesn't. See, can you have faith even if you end up losing your job? Can you have faith even if your marriage doesn't get better? Can you have faith even if they don't get out of the hospital? See, faith isn't based on, God, if you do this, then I'll trust you. It's not hostage to an outcome. I was thinking through some some stories, and I thought about, you know, man, there's a lot of great stories in the Bible that that it would have been really disappointing if they stopped, like, short. Like, uh, Like Joshua. I thought about Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, and what does God do? He tells them to march around and they march around the city and they don't do anything for like six six days you know, I think he says seven days or something like that but they're marching around they're doing laps around the city and nothing's really happening i mean if i'm if i'm joshua i'm expecting like some cracks maybe at the foundation like after day two or something i'm expecting maybe like i mean my house shifts faster than that like i mean you know i, I want to see something happening in this battle and and nothing's happening what if they had stopped on day six? How depressing would that have been? You know, the, day seven was it. Day seven, the walls came down and God moved. But what if they had stopped on day six? And, and I feel like in our faith, in our walks today, a lot of us are there. We're on lap six, and we're this close to quitting. Because we've been praying forever, and we've been bearing our hearts to God for what we're asking for and we've been believing, and nothing has been happening, and you're this close to quitting, my encouragement to you is don't stop on six. Keep going. Keep going. Press until something happens. Pray until something changes. Push until something breaks. Keep moving forward. You see, because the faith to step out is worthless without the faithfulness to stick it out. So keep moving, keep going, do it again and again and again. And sometimes you're going to need to hit stop, rewind, listen to it, do it again. And keep reminding yourself that God has called me to this. He wouldn't have called me if he couldn't do it, if he couldn't make it. So keep moving, keep believing, keep moving forward. You see, God's design for you was never to just hunker down until the day of glory. He wanted you to take some ground against the enemy. There's a missionary that I love. His name is C.T. Studd. He said it like this. Let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a Thanksgiving service in hell when he gets news of our departure from the field of battle. I want the devil to throw a party on the day I die. Thank God he's gone because because I was such a pain in his rear. That he is just overjoyed that I am gone and he doesn't have to worry about me anymore. So we've talked about how faith can push back and how faith can press forward and keep moving forward. There's one more thing that I think faith does, and it's simply this. Faith prepares us for what's next. Faith moves us forward because God always has more in store. And the idea is this, it's that, you know, whatever that thing is that you've been thinking about this entire service, that thing that's been on replay in your mind that, man, I wish God would answer this prayer and he would move in this situation and he would deliver me from this. The reality of it is that once he does, you're going to have to start gearing up for the next thing. Because faith is a muscle. And the reason that we have those trials and tribulations, the Bible says this, is so that you can strengthen your faith for what's coming next. You know, David, I've always found this interesting. It says that he picked up five stones. What, what, why five? Did he not think he could nail it on the first one? Like he did. He nailed him right in the dead center of the head. He had to know that he was pretty good at it. And then I started to research it and found out that if you search through some other texts, it actually says in other texts in the Bible that Goliath had four brothers. And so I believe that the reason that David took five stones was because he knew that I'm going to drop this guy but then I might have four other angry giant brothers ready to fight. And there's something coming on the other side. of Jericho. The walls fall down. The city doesn't wave the white flag and surrender and say, all right, you got us. They had to go fight the real battle and go win the city. And you see That thing that you're just focused on, that you're just fixed on, God can move, and God can take that, and he can win the day, and then it's going to be the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, because faith is a journey, and God is taking you somewhere. See, some of us today, we need to focus on the battle that God wants to win in us before we focus on the battle we want him to win for us. And there's something that God wants to do in you, and he's strengthening you, and he's developing you to get you ready. Because you're not ready for where he's taking you. If he were to deliver you there today, you wouldn't be ready and things would fall apart. And so through his mercy, he's giving you something you can handle and something you can walk through because he's going to teach you through it. And he's going to take you to the next thing. And because you were strengthened and pressed and pulled in every direction here, you're going to be ready for the next battle. And the next battle, you see, because you can trust God as you start walking with him, you can start to trust him more and more because of what he did behind you. And when you start to get scared of what's in front of you, you can look back and go, oh, yeah, he won there and there. Well, I didn't think he could show up. He showed up there. So what am I scared of here? You know, I think of it kind of like a, like if you imagine like teams of horses and if like they were like hooked together and they're running in opposite directions and it's like a tug of war and that's your faith and that's your fear. And all you got to do is make sure you got more horses on the faith side than you do on the fear side. How do you do that? I've got some suggestions. Don't fight alone. Get in a life group. Get with people that can link up with you and say, you may not be able to take it right now, but I'm feeling pretty good about what God's going to do in your life, so let's see this thing through. Get next to some people who will walk with you through what you're going through and will believe in you even when you can't believe in yourself. Get in a life group and don't fight alone. The next thing I would suggest is to start walking it out. Don't just attend the church, be the church. If this is just one day, one hour, one, you know, experience in your week, and then you're just left to go, be the church. I might say this, don't just tip God, trust God with your tithe. Don't just tip him when you feel good and when you've got a little bit extra in the account, but trust God in your finances and step out in faith. And see him give back and deliver more than you could have ever imagined. You know, for some of you today, it's going to be a commitment to take it up. There's something that you've been thinking about this entire short time we've been together. And God's going to encourage you today to take it up. Take it up before him. For some of you guys, that's a medical report. The doctors have said there's nothing we can do and you need to take it up to God and watch what he can do with that. There may be some of you in here and it's a notice of foreclosure or it's a filing of bankruptcy and you need to take it up today before God. Some of you need to take up your marriage and you need to walk up here hand in hand with your wife or husband for the first time and maybe forever and take up your marriage to God. Take it up in faith. You see, some of us have been listening to the soundtrack of fear for too long. And so how do you overcome this? For some of you today, it's time to change the soundtrack you're listening to. For some of you, it's time to stop listening to that soundtrack of faith that's been on loop in your mind and start playing the soundtrack of faith. You know what the soundtrack of faith is? It's worship. The soundtrack of faith is worship. It's telling God the truth of who he is and telling your circumstances the truth of the God that you serve and saying, I don't have to be afraid because I know that I've got someone between me and some of you need to press play on some worship during your week and start to say, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like there's an end in sight, but I'm going to do it anyways and I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to take it up and I'm going to start to call my shots. I'm going to start to speak out things before they exist. I'm going to start to declare that God has and God will and he can. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today to kind of stand up and start declaring that. So if you would stand with me, we're going to take an opportunity and we're going to start declaring it. And when you don't feel like it, stop, rewind, do it again. Stop, rewind, do it again. Start telling God that you need him today. You know as I've been talking today there's a there may be another group of you in here and the idea of having faith is hard for you it's not something you've done before it's not something that you've stepped out in you know we were at uh, my dad's house a couple of weekends ago and my son Jude he's 3 and he, he has a lot of faith he scooted past us out the back door and he ran bolt speed for the pool. <clears throat> and he throws himself in, no life jacket, no nothing. He's, he's three years old, he sinks right to the bottom. And so I bolt, and I run through the door, and I run as fast as I can. I dive into the pool. It's awesome. As, as I'm going down, I'm pushing him up, and he's more just like, why am I not floating? Like, he's not scared at all. He's just kind of, like, disappointed that he's not above the water right now. And so I'm walking him, and as I'm walking him over the surface of water, I'm thinking, man, my phone, my wallet, that's all awesome. And thinking, man, everything is gone. Dude, why did you do that? And as I was driving home, I thought about it. The reason that my son has maybe like unwarranted faith in me is because he knows that I would lay down in front of a train track for him. Is because he knows that I love him more than life. I had a friend one time say that God is kind of like a seatbelt to me. I'm grateful that he could save my life, but I've got no real affection for him. And for some of you, you can't have faith because you don't know that you're loved. The Bible tells us that faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. And you've got to know today that you're loved before you can step out in faith. That God loved you so much that he sent his son to pay the ultimate price. That he wasn't okay with leaving your sin as a wall between him and you. And so he gave the best he had because he loved you. So today I'm going to give you an opportunity and it's going to be a simple prayer. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would ask you this if that's you and you haven't taken a step of faith today, I would ask you just to simply slip your hand up in the air. All across this room, if you would just slide your hand up and we're gonna walk together through this. All right, I see you over here and I see you back there. Anybody else? All right, there's nothing magical about this prayer, it's just telling God who He is. So if everybody would pray with me, God, I thank you for taking away my sin. I believe that you sent your son. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe he's living in heaven today. Take away my sin. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you, God. In your name I pray. Amen. That's awesome, guys. It's awesome. They're throwing a party for you guys in heaven today.